Hello and welcome to the Health Pulse, a podcast exploring how analytics in the health and life science industry is growing and its repercussions in all our lives. My name is Greg Horn and I am your host for the series and as always we'll be joined by my expert guests to discuss a topical subject. On this week's episode we turn our attention to AI and pharma data and our guest is Herman de Prins and he's from UCB. But before we get to that, just a reminder that we have our email address, the Health Pulse Podcast at sas.com. That's the Health Pulse Podcast at sas.com, where we're taking your comments, questions, and thoughts on the podcast so far. We're using that information to help formulate the plan for future episodes, other guests we want to invite, and to generally inspire questions that we're going to ask to future guests as well. So please keep those emails coming through. So without further ado, let's join and welcome this week's guest, Herman de Prince. Herman, good afternoon to you as you're in Spain. Can you introduce yourself, please? Uh, thank you, Greg. Uh, I'm the uh, global CIO of UCB, which is a biopharma company. I cover basically all technology across all aspects of our business, ranging from the back office infrastructure to scientific applications. And Herman, just tell me a little bit about how you got to that position. What did you do before? I spent most of my career in the medical device industry, both in Europe and the US. And then about 12 years ago, I joined UCB, which was pharma and new to me. So, Fantastic. And one of the things we like to do in the podcast is find out something about you. So when you're not at UCB, what is something that you like to do? A lot of my spare time goes to road cycling. Uh, it's a great complement to my work because at work, I need to make many decisions in a very short time frame. And on the bicycle, I can think a problem through for like an hour or so. And actually, a lot of the things that I've done at work uh, were designed and created on the bicycle. Fantastic. And do you have any particular places you like to ride? Any favorites? Spain is my favorite. So the Calpa region, you get a lot of professional cyclists here. So that's quite fun. Fantastic. So thinking about UCB, not everybody listening will know the brand of UCB. So can you just tell us a little bit about where you're located, what you do, and just a bit more background about the company? Sure. UCB is a mid-sized biopharma company. Uh, it's headquartered in Belgium, uh, but by the nature of the industry, it's uh, global. Uh, we have offices in 40 countries. Our research organization has key locations in Belgium, the UK, and the different states of the US. And what we do is try to find innovative solutions for people living with severe diseases, uh, focusing on immunology and neurology. So UCB has been an early adopter in AI, and you've even gone so far as to get patents in the space. So what was the spark for you that started that journey into AI? It actually started in uh, February 2011 when I was uh, walking on the streets uh, somewhere in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and I saw a television play in a shop, and it was the famous Jeopardy show where the Watson computer won against two of the best American players, and, and that sort of intrigued me. A month or so later, I was in San Francisco at an event, and during the lunch break, as an introvert, I was standing as my on my own at one of those tables with some, uh, some lunch. And a tall person walks up to me and he says, can I join you? I said, sure. Turned out to be John Kelly, the head of research of IBM at the time, uh, also called the father of Watson. So we started talking about the possibilities of this technology. And uh, just a few months later, we had a project in the domain of epilepsy. 
Fantastic. And uh, I say, well, you, you do have patents in the space. Is there anything in that area you can talk about and tell us a bit about what you've been investigating? Early on, we applied for a couple of patents, for the most part to uh, sort of reward our employees and to, uh, as a recognition, more than as the idea of selling products or so. Uh, but that was, uh, those were early patents in the space of AIS. Can you give us some examples of some of the early things you've been able to achieve? Well, uh, one example is that in 2013, we published the results of our work with IBM, uh, with the Watson technology, uh, in using cognitive computing to support personalized care for people living with epilepsy. Fantastic. And can you tell me a little bit about how that works and what it does? Well, at that time, what we were working on was patient similarity analytics. And so based on real-world data, we could predict potential outcomes for uh, for patients. As a CIO, it's very clear why AI would appeal to you, but you have about 8,000 staff in the organization. So how do you get them on board the AI train and what do you do to keep them engaged? So early on, we had this idea of uh, ensuring that we take everybody along on our journey. And we formalized that in 2016, we started what we called a technology practice. And this was a forum where we did things like hosting keynotes, writing white papers, organizing workshops for the whole company. So the audience was the whole company. In 2018, this became the Data Minds and Digiminds program, which, as the names referred to, were respectively about data literacy on one hand and digital business transformation on the other hand. The idea remained the same, which is to increase the understanding and capabilities of all employees at UCB around digital. Fantastic. And do you see a certain group of employees who are more likely to take this on? Uh, Do you see a more enthusiastic group anywhere in the organization? I see, for the most part, enthusiasm across the company around digital and analytics in particular. I'm sort of more worried about the sheer amount of initiatives and the relative priorities of those than I am about potential pockets of resistance. So how do you decide how to prioritize then in that case? Because I think it's very easy to be overwhelmed with cases, as you just mentioned. So how do you make sure that the good cases rise to the top? Well, obviously, it's it's the role of the specific unit or function that has the right use cases. And we look at uh, basically a business case. And we also allow some level of experimentation, of course, because given it's all new, you can't always uh, predict or, or commit to a certain outcome. Yeah, for sure. And do you see any resistance at all? You, you kind of briefly mentioned it there, but are there pockets of resistance? And is some of that resistance well-founded? Uh, and how do you cope with that question? I, I see very little resistance. I mean, I, I see, again, the, is it because we did this Digiminds thing and data mines? I don't know, but I see basically all enthusiasm. That's fantastic. And uh, as a company, you are in the entire value chain from drug discovery to bringing it to your doctor and your patients. Where where do you see the most value being driven by AI at the moment? Well, before anything, there's uh, value for AI across the whole value chain, basically everywhere. But the highest value pools are for sure R&D. And in second place, I would say the commercial area. But if AI can contribute to finding better solutions for specific patient populations and do that faster than before, 
you create a lot of value for patients and for the whole ecosystem. And that's why I prioritize R&D in terms of value. So in the R&D space, I guess you're looking at the kind of fail fast approach. Would that be right? You know, finding something that isn't going to work as quickly as you can. Amongst many other things, yes, that's correct, yes. Okay. And uh, do you have any examples where AI has really helped to, to accelerate that R&D process? Well, we have a lot of initiatives with AI and R&D, but maybe I can refer to our uh, Moonshot initiative, which we did last summer together with Microsoft, where we used our algorithms, uh, so basically our AI and uh, Microsoft's massive compute power to do research on potential treatments for COVID um, that would normally take six months, and we did that in three days. So that's the uh, magnitude of acceleration you can achieve. Oh, that's fantastic. And I guess related to that, I mean, some might say we are undergoing the world's biggest clinical trial right now when it comes to coronavirus and the rollout of uh, vaccines and the speed of that rollout. So do you think AI's had a role to play in that? And do you think it could have been used earlier in the process? Well, I don't know it for a fact. I'm convinced that AI played a significant role in the development of the vaccines and potential treatments. And that's not specific to COVID. I think the whole industry is embracing AI uh, quite well. When you think about the use of AI into the future, what do you think are going to be some of the big breakthroughs? Uh, what do you think is going to drive those? And let's think about time scale as well. How quickly do you think it will happen? Well, Greg, I'm not a futurist. Uh, I apply what's possible. Uh, but I do believe there will be massive and sometimes scary advances with AI on many fronts. I take, take one example is uh, GPT-3, which is a language model to produce human-like text. Um, it uses deep learning and today with GPT-3, 175 billion machine learning parameters. And that's 10 times as much as the previous technology, which is in our hands mostly today. So think about putting such capacity and capability into a robot, for instance. That's just huge. I also see AI becoming more embedded in products, in technology products. So it won't always be obvious what's AI and what's not AI. And do you think that's a risk? Do you think we should be telling people what is AI and what is not AI? Uh, do you think it should be very obvious to people? Well, there certainly needs to be a set of rules around it. Uh, and I know that the European Commission is working on them. Uh, so like with any technology, there's risks and there's opportunities. Yeah, for sure. We just did the hackathon with, a, we had a contestant that ran a chatbot, an AI chatbot. And when you asked it certain questions, it would just hold its hands up and say, I am a chatbot. I can't answer that question. Uh, do you think AI should have limits like that and admit when it doesn't know the answer? Yeah, well, specifically whether it should uh, say no, I don't know. But but clearly the issue of bias in the data, bias in the algorithm, um, ethical issues, data privacy are all uh, significant concerns. Have you had to deal with bias issues within your data sets? And if so, how have you overcome those? Uh, so by definition, every data set has a bias. That also means that every uh, of your AI initiative is based on something that's biased. In our process, we do ethical reviews and bias is one of the elements we look at. Fantastic. And when you think about bias and the role of bias, sometimes it can play a positive role. Have you explored that in any way at all? 
not really. In the sense that, as I said, every every data set you use, every algorithm has bias. So uh, with that, you're dealing with it positive or negatively. Okay. Uh, and just one final question. If you think about the projects and the prospects that you're looking to get into into the future, are there any kind of key projects you're very interested in and what's driving that interest? Well, as I said before, the, the biggest interest for me is, is what we can do in R&D and maybe even mostly in research, because I think the power of AI in research is already significant but will become uh, really valuable in developing new treatments for people. That's fantastic. And thank you very much, Herman, for joining us today. That's a really interesting insight. And thank you very much for your comments and questions that we've been getting for our audience. Keep them coming at the Health Post podcast at sas.com. I think Herman touched on something very interesting at the end there where he talked about the R&D piece and the, the rollout of uh, AI in that space. So if you have questions, comments, and points on that, please make sure you send them through. Thank you very much for joining us today. We're going to be bringing those questions uh, to future guests, as we've already mentioned. This has been the Health Pulse podcast. I've been your host, Greg Horn. Please like and subscribe, and we will keep sending you future episodes. Thank you very much.